Hey everybody, Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. You can find us on AfterlifeTV.com. This is where we search for evidence of life after death and ask the meaningful questions around that subject. Today, we got a special guest who we have had two other times. There's a reason for it. Uh, her name is Natalie Sudman. She had an incredible near-death experience. The first time I interviewed her, I thought I was going to get through that whole experience. Halfway through the interview, I was like, no way are we going to get through it all. And uh, I recognized at that point that there were sort of three phases to her experience. We covered phase one in the first interview, phase two in the second, and this is phase three um, that we're going to cover in this third interview. And for those of you who are familiar with Natalie, uh, you can wel welcome her with me. Uh, welcome back, Natalie. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me back again. Uh, well, this is exciting for me. I know it is exciting for my audience uh, who have watched those two other videos. We're going to create this uh, so that people can watch this singly. If they've never seen you before, they can watch it and follow along and understand it. Because what's interesting about near-death experiences, right, is that um, everything's happening at the same time. So yeah. you put it in chronological order for our human brains, but the reality is they were like three separate experiences, right? Yeah, uh, or all one experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. But were, thanks for that. Mess us up even more. That's right. Yeah, with no time and space, you know, it's it's almost like they were all happening at once in one sense. That's great. Get into the deep stuff right away. Don't don't <laughs> don't hesitate. Okay, let's mess with people. All right. Well, let's let's catch uh, people up to speed who have who are not familiar with your story. Um, let's. I'm just going to say that you are in Iraq. Um, where this story all took place. What were you doing in Iraq? I had been working for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and um, I was doing basically different kind of project management. And so uh, on this day, I, along with some colleagues, had gone outside the wire to visit some of our construction sites. And on our way back to base after being out in the outside the wire, I don't know, four or five, six hours, we were on our way back to base, and the vehicle that I and a colleague were traveling in was hit with a roadside bomb. Ah. Um, okay, and so that's what starts this whole thing. Uh, again, I'll just repeat a few times. We talk about all the stuff we're just going over here in depth in two other interviews, so you can, you'll get all that information if you're like, wait, no, don't skip through. I want that now. Mm -hmm. You can certainly get that information. So the bomb goes off. Um, this leads to what? Well, I immediately was somewhere else, and I call this place that I that I'm saying I first went the blink environment. It's like I just blinked there. I was in my body, and then I was not. I was in this other environment. I love that. I I do. I, I blinked, so I'm in this environment. I'll call it the blink environment. I just love the way you think. Um, the blink environment, uh, just tell us briefly what, ha what happened in the blink environment. Well, I was surrounded by a whole, like, like a whole stadium full of other beings or people, personalities. And um, I was downloading information to them. And they were absorbing that information, sending me gratitude. And then I said that I wasn't going to go back into my body. Or I communicated that to them. And they, they communicated to me that they would really like me to return to my body to do XYZ. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Natalie. Easy, easy to change my mind. <laughs> she'll agree to anything. Just, hey, you want to do an adventure? Sure. Sure. You say, you say yes, and then you think about it later. Um, well, this is cool. And, and so again, first video is what that's all about. You get through this blink environment experience and that brings you to something that you called the rest environment. What's the rest environment? That was, it was almost like folding completely into myself. And by going totally in, I was in an infinite space. And this infinite space was um, just really, really comfortable. It was, um, and it was, it's where I was, I was resting, I was recuperating, I was kind of poking through things that had happened in my life and saying, oh yeah, that worked out great, cool, I want to do that again, or whatever. And then, um, and just, there was another being there that was sort of doing mechanical tinkering, mm -hmm. but nothing, you know, 
not interacting with me really, just sort of like taking a car to the mechanic. Just a lot of very deep, deep rest. It's really beautiful, beautiful environment. All right. And then, um, and then the next environment uh, after this rest environment was the subject of today. What do you call this environment? The healing environment. Yes. Why is that? <laughs> I worked on healing my physical body from this environment. The physical so, body. So, all yeah. right. So, all right. So, this is very cool. So, you're in the healing environment, and you know when. You, is there a switching between environments, or like you say, they sort of all happening at the same time? How does that work? Well, in describing them to to anybody in this physical world, it doesn't make any sense to say that it's all happening at once. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> so so breaking it down into a linear progression is just easier for everybody to understand and comprehend. Right. So, and switching between these environments, um, you know, I say that it was just like blinking. And in a way, it's like just turning your focus. Okay. You know, like I can focus, focus on our interview right here. I can look up and focus on the green leaves outside the window. It's that simple. Yeah. And it's total. So, by in moving into the healing environment, all I did was shift my focus and I was there. Okay, I like that. No, that's that that that's easy to understand. Um, is this the first environment where you had an awareness of your physical body that was still in the truck? That had yeah, first aware for first awareness of that. Interesting. Why do you suppose that is? Well, I think um, certainly when I went to the blink environment, I didn't have any interest in even returning to the physical body. <laughs> okay. So I, I mean, I was like, who cares? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then when I went to the rest and recuperation, I also had no interest in the physical body, because it's sort of like um, I talked a little bit about what an intense focus it takes to stay in the physical body and be in the physical body, yeah. and um, and so in a way that rest and recuperation felt like um, essential to sort of relax that a little bit and kind of chill out and regain some of my awareness of who I really am and just some serious deep rest. And so I didn't really have any, again, I didn't have any interest in the physical body there. Right. But then once I get to the healing environment, I'm moving toward returning to my body. So now my physical body matters because that's the vehicle I'm going to go back into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh Sure, and now all of a sudden you care. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because in the second interview we talked about the first stage where you're in the stadium and there's all these beings, you said potentially thousands of beings, and you're downloading information to them. And I asked you, you know, is it possible that that was just happening and when the bomb went off you then became aware of it? And your answer was yes, correct? Yeah. Uh, but So my question, though, is... These other two environments, the rest environment and the healing environment, seem in response to the bomb going off, to your body, something happening to your body because of the bomb. So where the first environment, the blink environment, was probably already happening and would have happened whether the bomb went off or not, these other two, are they in response only to, to the bomb going off? Go right for the hard Yeah, question. sorry. Uh, because this, I mean, in my understanding, this requires some kind of awareness or some kind of discussion of probable realities and um, strings of, strings of uh, experience. You know, my, at the same time that this me, I was concentrating on and, and focusing in and and going through the experience of being blown up and then, you know, blink environment, rest environment, now healing environment, there's, there could well be uh, another probable line that, in which I didn't get blown up and I didn't get injured. 
I mean, we think of, just because of the way our our human minds are trained and how we perceive from a human body and what, what, uh, what serves us in having this physical experience, we block out a lot of things. So, um, you know, we could, there could be an infinite number of Natalie's out there in an infinite number of realities having an infinite number of experiences. And that's just, I mean, even for me, that's just mind boggling Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't really um, help my perception here in this world to try to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm kind of aware of that or I think, oh, you know, in a kind of bemused kind of way, wow. Well, that's okay because that chance that's happening on another, another Natalie is getting to have that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's too confusing to actually try to live your every single moment of your life aware of that yeah, just, just yeah. where the collective consciousness is all right but at least in this reality we can say that the first the second two environments were in response and the first one was going on not in response to it i think that maybe i would say that the first one was going on maybe um as a as a participant as an event that a lot of natalie's maybe participate in yep and then these, the rest environment and the healing environment, maybe a lot fewer, or maybe only this Natalie is experiencing that. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, that's that's actually great. No, okay. that's, that makes sense to my puny little human mind. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, the healing environment. Tell me if I sum this up right. The healing environment is about you healing your physical body that's still in the Land Rover in the, on the physical realm to a place where you want you want it. Your your higher self, your whole self, as you call it. I would like say I would use the the term my soul, um, but your whole self uh, where where you want it for whatever you're gonna do from this point on, once you go back into your body and continue life, right? Yes. It's about healing it so, and leaving certain injuries and everything in, a, in such a way that you can complete what you want to do when you come back here, right? Yes, it's about, I mean, it's about choosing my own injuries. In a way, healing, that word doesn't even make sense because all I was doing was changing. You know, healing makes sense from the physical perspective. Yeah. Because we think of, you know, being injured or being being well or we make those dichotomous um judgments, but from a whole self, it wouldn't necessarily be healing, it would just be changing. So I from that environment, I was able to change the injuries in my body and choose them very specifically for um in order to I, the ones I chose were going to help me um, place myself in the trajectory that I wanted to follow in this physical experience. All right, so I kind of set you up. All right, so now I've, I've mm-hmm. set you up. So the question that I have then is, at this, I can only talk in human terms. So at this yeah. very moment in time, the bomb when the bomb goes you know, like whatever, a split second after the bomb has gone off, are there injuries? To that physical Natalie, real or potential? Oh wow, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for. Uh, you know, let's, I'm so lucky to get that. to ask these questions. For, yeah. Of you, so. Okay, so let's say I get. I'm trying to put it in. Yeah, I'll try to put it in terms that are can be understood. Okay, so say that. Um, you know, my when I blinked to the blink environment, my, the first thing I said was, okay, I'm done. I don't want to go back. I'm not interested. That's funny. And so it's almost like I chose those injuries so that they would just kill my human body. Okay. So I come back and I'm essentially there's no time and no space. I'm coming back to the same point where I made those injuries, but now I've got a different intention. Yeah. And so now I'm just going to change those injuries and in a sense I suppose it's almost like a split moment 
because I imagine that in as as probable realities go that that dead body Natalie went on its own trajectory you know yep. and I just changed that maybe I don't, that's not how I perceive it but I don't see why it couldn't be understood in that way yep uh, it reminds me a little bit of I don't know if you're old enough. Do you, do you ever remember Bewitched? Yeah. I okay. Love so it kind of reminds me of that because, you know, Samantha, you know, something would happen, you know. Yeah. Like maybe her grandmother or mother or whoever it was that was kind of meddlesome would do something to Darren and then they'd have to stop and like undo it and fix right. things, you know what right. I mean? Kind of yeah. reminds me of that sort of scenario. Yeah, that was one of my favorite shows. <laughs> Yeah, big surprise. Uh, yeah, you just did. That was pretty good, actually. <laughs> a little wiggle of the nose. Um, and, and so from that place as a human, I can understand how that would take place. Something happened, but now with time stopped, at least physical time stopped, things are happening in the background to make them right. You know, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving forward... Um, you're in the healing environment. You're, you're sort of, this is the beginning, you're first aware of the healing environment. Uh, I'm going to kind of go back and forth a little bit here. Are there, whereas in the, the first environment, there were thousands of beings, and the rest environment, I don't even remember how many beings there were. Just one or two. Yeah. yeah. And then in this environment, how many beings we have? Any? There's two. There's two beings with you. Yeah. And I ask like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you read my book? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So so um so tell us about these beings, you know, uh, so what are they like? One of them was very very familiar, like an old old friend, that real deep feeling of connection and familiarity. And the other one seemed like sort of almost like a trainee or something. <laughs> yeah. Like we were friendly with this other being, but it wasn't like we were old, old friends or something. And they, that one was kind of almost observing us. Yeah. Well, this good friend and I were really messing around a lot. You were. Now, yeah. when you say good friend, uh, in, the, in the last interview, I, I was asking some questions of you, and we sort of came to this conclusion that it's possible that some of the beings you were with were actually aspects of yourself, at other personalities of your whole self. Again, what I would call your soul. So other personalities of that. Um, what about what about these two beings? Any possibility that they are other aspects of your whole self, or are they separate beings? Separate. Like I think, I think I have a hard time telling that difference. Okay. I don't know that I could tell the difference. Is that because of the oneness of everything, or is? Oh uh, yeah, I mean in a in that sense you know in that we are all one mm -hmm. then yeah they're a part of me but it, there's almost like layers beneath that almost like uh, my whole self is also part of a group self or something yeah, is yeah. what I kind of what I've kind of gotten and and I don't know how to you know in order to describe this experience or these beings I would say I perceived them as other when I was in this experience. Yeah. And when I was, this whole experience of um, my NDE, I still maintained, a, it, it's like I, may, I always maintained this awareness of being Natalie. Right. Even though I didn't have any interest in my body and no interest in the physical world through a lot of it, I still maintained the sense of being one identity. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't go so far out of my body or so deep into um, non-physical that I felt like I was merging with a whole self or a, a group self. I felt like I was just opening up to a whole self. I don't know if, I mean, that's a weird distinction. I'm not sure I'm describing it well. And it's not in the book, but. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I mean. I want to ask questions that aren't all in the book, you know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. so people who read the book can get a little bit more from these. But I get it. Um, yeah, you're opening up to, to almost larger possibilities, larger... Uh, yeah, larger awareness of who I am in a... Yeah. Uh, 
from a greater perspective. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to take a little little break here. I wanted people to get to know you a little bit in this. People who don't know you very well, because it. I want to show your book. All right. I wanted to wait a minute to do that. So here's your book. Now, two things I'm going to do. I'm going to put this book up and I'm going to let people see it. All right. Application of impossible things. And <laughs> people will laugh, but this is so that I can show this on Facebook or whatever. I'm going to put it all new because being our third interview, you smile. <laughs> That's the picture I'll take. All right. Being our third interview, I don't want people to look at this and go, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that interview. You know, I've done that. But anyways, this book, and I say it every time, but I, I say it in as a, as a positive thing. This is not a big, thick book. This is a thin book. And yet, every time I read it, I get something new out of it. And it is, you could read a big, thick book faster than you will read this one. Okay? <laughs> if, so now, and the reason that I waited was now that you, you audience people who just met Natalie Sudman here, now you get the sense of depth. She's the same way in the book, if not even more so than she is right here. Okay, so now you get that, and and a lot of this information is in this book. But you could certainly miss it. You know, it's one of those things that certainly takes a few reads, to, and you just keep gathering more and more insight from it as a result. But that's the kind of writing you do. And I was I was reading through your blog recently, same kind of stuff, like amazing depth. To the, I just love it, like this mind-blowing stuff. It's just boom, boom, you know, all this mind-blowing stuff. All right, so, um, you know, with these other two beings, you talked a little bit about them. What do you like? You talk in the book, you write in the book about form, your form. I'm not sure you remember, but, um, but you were talking about what you personally are like you know, in this, in this energetic spiritual state versus physical form. How can you describe that to us right now? That's his first question. Then I'm going to ask, how is your form in the healing environment different than your form in the other two environments? Okay. Um, the healing environment felt like it, well, it, it was a lot closer to the vibration of the physical world. So it was like a lower, um, a lower vibration, and and I felt like I felt like I had had form. And my form, you know, when I look back, it's like okay, I was I was pretty much this form, this Natalie, <laughs> but but more, um, you know, I wasn't really physical. Mm. I just had that shape while being energy. Yeah. And it was that's different because like the rest environment it didn't I didn't have any form. I didn't have any form at all. I was just awareness or just consciousness. Cool. And it doesn't mean that I was totally dissipated. I was still a something, but I wasn't a form. And and the the blink environment it's like you could take on any form you wanted to there i mean it 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 was a little farther from physical world and so you could take on form if you wanted to but you didn't have to have a form okay and what's interesting to me about that that the last one the blink environment is that the way you saw other beings you kind of saw them more as humans with these white robes on and stuff yeah why would you have seen them that way since that was it because maybe you would just blinked over from physical and I think so I think you know it was just a lot more comfortable it was a very comfortable way for me to perceive them I talk about yeah. playing around with making turning them into like little monsters and stuff yeah and I could do that I mean I could see them that way and I think that seeing them just as human in white robes was just a very comfortable way um, that wouldn't sort of um, distract my human mind from, you know, my. It's like when you when I blinked out. 
it takes so much focus to be in to stay in this physical awareness and in this physical body that it's like um, it's like standing in a doorway and pushing your arms out really hard for a minute and then you step out and your arms just go straight up yeah because your muscles you know have been holding that so tightly oh. and so that's what how I think of the 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 jump from the physical you're still you got that tension of holding yourself in this focus and then you go into somewhere like the blink environment and it takes a while to sort of undo that tension yeah and so seeing and perceiving from that awareness that's kind of in between it's it could be really distracting to be looking at bugs or something instead of looking at people in white robes yeah yeah all right, so back in the, so we got blink, we got rest, back in the healing environment. You also talk about your form as being like age 30, 35. Now, here's what's interesting about it. Sylvia Brown, years and years ago, wrote a book, and she said, everybody in spirit's 35, 30 years old. Oh, really? Everybody is, and I was like, oh, come on, you know. Um, she wrote some great books, but the, you know, but she sort of had this tendency to sort of make these sort of absolute statements, you know right. what I mean? And yeah. In, in in my investigation, I actually understand what she means now. She, but it's it's not quite so absolute. It's not like no. so cut and dry. But it was so funny that in your book you sort of talk about the same thing. Explain what she probably meant. We're not speaking for her, but explain what you meant when you said that you kind of recognized your form as being around the age of thirty. Well, uh, it's like there's sort of an ideal form or a form that's the easiest to hold of this Natalie in an energetic state and um, that form will be the one that's that's most balanced most harmonious um, it, so in other words it's not growing it's not you know 15 years old and growing it's not um, decaying so it's not 95 years old and decaying it's sort of in a very stable um, balanced place and um, and so, you know, if I liken that to the physical body in the physical world, it, it, it kind of sits right there in 30 to 35 for me. For somebody else, it might be between 25 and 30 or 35 and 40, I don't know. But um, for me, it really felt like I was just right in there, 30, 35, almost effortless. It, there were, it took no effort to hold that. It took nothing was shifting around in there and um yeah it was very stable and very easy like a default setting almost yeah and and, and this is what i found in my investigation of people in spirit is uh, this is very very common i mean if they lived long enough then this is sort of the age my father came to me in an experience that i had and uh, it was one of the few experiences that i really was able to experience it um and I talk about it in my interview with Michelle Skoleski Boyd, and uh, and, and that was what's, what was interesting. He died when he was 64, but he showed himself to me around the age of 30. I just knew, and but I, even just from pictures, you know, when he was younger, I just that was around the age that he was, you know, 30, yeah. 35, in his 30s. Um, and I recognized in this experience with him that, that was when he felt the most vibrant, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, also, I should also say that Afterlife TV uh, does not necessarily agree with the statements about 95-year-olds decaying. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because as a soul, honestly, we don't decay. I was kidding. But yes, <laughs> that's right. There is no decaying. There's just uh, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Um, so what are you doing in this, in this, uh, in this healing environment? Uh, with these other beings. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing while you're there. Well, from this environment, I can see, it's like I can see the whole scene uh, of the blown-up truck and everything going on down there and my body in that truck. And I can see the injuries that I left this body with. And so what we're doing is we're changing those. Like this, this really good friend of mine with me here, um, we are we're actually fooling around a lot we're um you know we're like okay let's 
let's lop off her right arm and and then we'd immediately see this whole lifetime of me you know with all the details but you know I'm trying to do everything with my left hand and we thought that was hilarious we're falling down laughing <laughs> or okay let's you know let's fix her head except let's leave her with some brain damage so she can't talk you know and that's funny to us to you in as, that as environment it's not funny here no but it was hilarious from there we were choosing different possibilities and immediately seeing um, where those would lead, what kinds of experiences those injuries would offer, and how fun that it it's very it was very revealing and still continues to be revealing to me that i I can go to that place and I can um, find I can perceive my my troubles and my um, difficulties through the healing process with a hu- with a sense of humor. I yeah. mean, it's all hilarious. It's all nothing to, to my whole self-awareness. And why is that? I, I, we're skipping ahead here, but this is a perfect place to really ask that question. Um, hold on. Let me see how I was going to word that. Uh, the question, as I have it written, you compared, and this is sort of a quote, the awareness of your whole self-perspective regarding our physical that was the end, regarding uh, wholesale perspective, unquote, regarding a physical world phenomena to watching a movie today that was filmed in the 1950s, okay? Do you remember that analogy you made about the dinosaur movie filmed in the 50s? I thought thought it was brilliant because it really kind of helps us get a sense of what the wholesale perspective would be or, you know, whatever, any being in this this spiritual place um, looking at human life and with great humor and uh, and you know like you said laughter yeah why why is it that they for those who can't understand it because <laughs> they haven't been there um wh- why why is it so funny to these spiritual beings because whatever we experience in the physical is so um it's so small, it's so minor, it's, I mean, it's important, but it's, it doesn't last forever. Yeah. It's, it's perceived as a blink, you know? So what to us when we're in our physical um, uh, perspective can just be horrifying and endless and excruciating. Once, even then, once we're out of our bodies and can see it from a larger perspective, we perceive how how insignificant that was and yet how significant whatever we learned through doing that is so yeah and there's an archaic uh, quality to it like so you were talking about the dinosaur movie from the 50s we watch that film now and we laugh because of the special effects right <laughs> special right. effects and and so that's funny to us now but we can still appreciate the movie right um Yet we just have to look at it from oh wow you know look how cute that is right yeah <laughs> look how cute right. isn't that kind of the sense that I, it's the sense I got from your book that that was sort of the perspective you were you know oh how cute the, the these human beings are yeah yeah absolutely you know in the fifties when people watched those dinosaur movies I mean they were kind of made as a little bit of a horror movie you know and yeah. I'm sure that they were wow you know ooh. And then we watch them now and we're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> isn't that cute? Yeah. You know, aren't those special effects cute and aren't the, aren't the dinosaurs cute? And isn't it funny that, that people used to think that that was, you know, like the epitome of um, technology and the epitome of, um, of, uh, of portraying these scary things. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, you know. <laughs> just adorable that's right and that's that is i mean it's not an exact analogy but it is an analogy and once you get into a a larger perspective of an expanded awareness you're going to look back on your life in a totally different way you know oh that's so cute oh i'm so sorry that you've (laughs) suffered god that was fun wasn't it (laughs) yeah yeah that's right that's right (laughs) Well, I haven't been there, but one of the greatest analogies I heard years and years ago, I have no idea where I heard it from um, or who, but um, was, you know, that the perspective is similar to, like, a parent's might have of their young daughter whose doll, like, 
the arm had broken off. Right. And to, the, to the daughter, you know, this is a horrible thing. Like, oh yes. my goodness, like the world has gone upside down. My, my, <laughs> the arm of my doll is, you know, from the parents, they're just like, you know, she's going to be okay. She'll be yeah. all right. Yeah. It's just a doll. Yeah, it's yeah. just a doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just a human life. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just one of your own human lives. Yeah, that's right. One of, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people ask how many. I, I, I don't know that anybody knows, but I get the sense. I mean, we're talking, we're talking thousands anyways, right? I mean, we're talking a lot of lifetimes. What do you think? Well, I would think so. I mean, and it's, it's as many as you want, you know, because how are you going to count that? Are you going to count that through all the probabilities? Oh, you know, God, are you yeah. going to include that? Or are you just going to include this, this conscious um, awareness of being this identity? And, you know, there, there could be um, people talk about old souls or, you know, oh, they've been here a lot of times. Well, it's entirely possible that, that someone who's very adept and very sort of savvy about being here has only been here once or twice. They just maybe did some homework beforehand, or I don't know what, but yeah. <laughs> but um, in a way that doesn't make sense. And all time happening at once, too. You know, you're you're doing those hundreds or thousands of lifetimes right now. They're all informing your life, and your life is informing and changing and shifting theirs. Right. It's interesting um, when you talk about the probabilities, which you talked, you know, brought up earlier in the interview. Well, now we just talk. Now there's really no number. I mean, when you talk about the all yeah. the possible prob possibilities, probabilities, it's just yeah. like yeah. Now we're talking a big, Infinity. big, big number. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the other thing you mentioned was that you and this friend. Did she have a she? she what I assume it was a, this friend. Uh huh. Did did it have a name? <laughs> I don't even know. How. No, you she? know, I never paid any attention to any names. Yeah. Okay. We didn't get into the details. Well, anyways, you were talking about trying different things on, you know, like and seeing the possibilities. Interesting, Melissa, my wife Melissa just had a life between lives regression, and she, in the spirit world portion of this, she was there with another being, um, testing in a very similar way, yeah. testing different possibilities. Right. What if we did this life together? Let's see what that was is like, and then they could sort of see how that would all play out. Again, mm -hmm. maybe the many possibilities, or maybe just one possibility, and they were playing around like that. Like that was fun to yeah. two spirits. Let's try this on. Yeah. You know, you, know you, you you be the friend, and I'll be the enemy. Let's try that right. on. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, anyways, the next thing I wanted to ask you, it, we'll get it, we keep. We get into a little surface stuff, and we'll jump back into some stuff with depth. You write about, and this is a quote, the primary awareness of the inherent relatedness of all consciousness. Again, this is why it takes so <laughs> darn long to read this book. The primary awareness of the inherent relatedness of all consciousness. Uh, can you dumb that down for me a little bit, what that means? And and if you don't recall, um, the next question is sort of, well, the next question is going to be, what is the oversight that humans typically make that sets up separation and competition versus a likeness and cooperation? So that sentence leads into that subject. <laughs> do you remember that sentence? I do remember that Okay, sentence. good. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet it does. Um, okay, the primary awareness would be... Um, like if you strip away all your judgments and all the all the ways that uh, all the sort of human mind ways that we judge ourselves, that we judge others, that we separate ourselves from others, um, if you strip all the beliefs away, then you're left with with the pure essence. And when you when you are in that pure essence, you you can't help but understand that everything is conscious and you are connected. You're all interconnected with everything that exists. Okay. All right. 
So I'll repeat it for the audience. The primary awareness of the inherent relatedness of all consciousness. Now it actually sounds like a sentence to me. Okay, <laughs> now that you've described that. <laughs> I knew there was something good in there. Uh, all right, so that brings us to the next thing then. What is the oversight humans typically make that sets up separation and competition versus a likeness and cooperation? What's the oversight humans typically make? I, I think... I think the oversight is that, I mean, <laughs> well, we miss that primary. You yeah. know, we take that primary interrelatedness yeah. and we're stacking all these beliefs on it. Yeah. And it's not that that's wrong either. I mean, that's, that's part of the fun of coming to Earth is participating in the, in the, um, in the belief systems and the, the sort of, um, you know, when you write a movie, you have, you have an idea that this movie is, is kind of centered around or, you know, what it's going to illustrate or explore. Yeah. And in the same way, this world, you know, we don't, it's not just individual consciousness beings like us coming into this world. Um, and having our experience, we do have that. But but the collective consciousness of everyone who is conscious and living right now, that is also a form of consciousness, and that also has a direction mm. and a and an intention. Yeah. And um, and so it's not you know it's not wrong to have all these beliefs sort of layered on top of the primary knowing that we're all interconnected yeah. it's another exploration yeah but it also you know that's that that believing that we're separate is an exploration and maybe you know maybe we're coming to the end of that exploration and now what happens as a collective consciousness if we say um, well you know, maybe we've taken that as far as it can go. What happens if we infuse again that primary consciousness that everything is interconnected? Or maybe it may be that that kind of a flow will always happen because whatever our source, the great mysterious all of everything, um, maybe that oneness is always going to bring our exploration uh oh. <laughs> All right, hold on. back into itself. That's the point. All right, start again. It's going to bring our exploration where? Because the video froze for a second. Okay. Um, it may be that no matter what we explore, no matter what lines we take out and explore, they all of those may always end up back at leading us back to that primary oneness. Because that is the prime, you know, that's our source. Okay. All right, so we dealt with this before, but uh, before we started recording the interview, your the video's <laughs> off a little bit with the, are okay. you back now? Um, you might be back now. So I know that it's going to go away. Anyways, so the question that comes to my mind is that does this belief that you're talking about uh, okay, does the belief in separation create fear, or is it fear that creates the belief in separation? Oh, I think it... I think that I would say that the... Fear of separation. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I can untangle that. Yeah. I think that fear comes from a belief of separation. Uh, it could also come from uh, a, a contemplation of the possibility of separation. Because anything you imagine can be. So, you know, you might say, well, well, I can imagine being separated. Oh, you know, now, now that you've imagined that as a possibility and you understand that because you've imagined it as a possibility, it could turn into a probability. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't want that. You know, you could 
play that sort yeah. of game out, which would freak you out. But yeah. or could, hopefully yeah. it wouldn't, because it's all good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, and that's why we do these videos is is to open people's minds up to these possibilities. You know, these other possibilities. Um, So you're with these two beings. How do you decide what to heal and what to leave injured? Um, you're laughing. You're having a good time making these decisions. You. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I can't remember the specific most of the specific reasons that I decided to come back. Yeah. I can't remember what those were. And so when I go to this healing environment and understand that I'm I I can I'm back in that environment and I can be there now and I can know what injuries I want and but I can't I can't access why I want them. I can even see some of the trajectories projected out from the injuries that I chose but I can't I can't see all of them. It's like some things are blanked out. Now, so at the time when you made the decision to come back into your body, physical body, you knew that there was a purpose for that. Like there were, there right. was a purpose for you coming back. Um, and so the injuries were set up to complete that purpose, correct? Right. But yeah. now going back, I can't remember what those specific. There's a veil there. Okay, are. and and maybe that's for a purpose too, right? Right. Yeah. Could you ever? Could, did you ever remember? Did you remember soon after or no? No. No. All right. Um, okay. Let's talk. Perfect. Let's talk now about your your injuries. The injuries that you ended up once you were back in your body. Um, let's talk about those as chosen experiences versus karma, karma, karma. <laughs> I'm a lot like calmer it, than I used to be. It's kind of between karma and calmer. Car <laughs> There's a big difference. Karma, bad luck, or punishment. So let's talk about that. So, you know, because a lot of people have, have real issues going. There's no way... I chose this lifetime or these things that happened to me in this lifetime. And if I did, I'm really upset with my soul, my whole self. Um, but from your perspective in this experience, uh, everything was a chosen experience, right? Everything was a chosen experience. All my injuries were chosen. And they were chosen for good reasons. And they were chosen with joy. They weren't chosen as any kind of punishment. They were chosen in order that they would lead me to or support me in uh, creating um, experiences that I wanted to experience as a whole self that were very, very valuable to me. I think I brought this up in every video, and I'm going to bring it up again because it's just what you said. I think it's, I, again, I still think it's so brilliant. Um, you, you, you talk about in the book this this moment where you're sort of waking up, you're half in your body, you're half not, and um, you you recognize that you might be blind in one eye, and when you do, because you have because you got one foot in one place, one foot in another dimension, you recognize the enthusiasm that your whole self has for this possibility of being blind in one eye because it never had that experience before. And that's yeah. what you're talking about, right? Yeah, I was totally, yeah, when I first, yeah, I was sitting in the truck when that happened and I thought, oh, what if I'm blind in one eye? And I just, I got so excited. I thought I've never been blind in one eye before. This could be really fun. And which just goes to what you just said. I mean, really, I mean, people keep talking about the the purpose of life, the meaning of life. It's just about experience. As far as the soul is concerned, it's just about having experiences, right? Yes. It doesn't matter if we, as you know, little puny personalities, seeing seeing this much of what's really going on. Mm. It doesn't matter if we think it's bad or not. Yeah. Yeah. Our whole self knows it's good and knows what the value is and is thrilled with the experience. 
And I think your I think your story here is a perfect example of that. But now Natalie Sudman, the physical being, ended up with some injuries. I'm sure you're not pleased with. <laughs> I am not always entirely happy with the choices that I made. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so I mean, which uh, so again, even though you've had this experience, you have great compassion not only for yourself as a human being, but other other human beings for what they and we're all going through. Oh yeah, it's yeah. you know when we're in this when we're in this focus things can be just excruciating. They can awful, awful and seem like they will never end. So it's you know the only way to understand that kind of sense of humor and that um that joy is to be able to to access that expanded consciousness or to to even be willing to be willing to um, entertain the notion that it could be real I mean that alone just being willing to open your mind that could be the the little gateway that allows you to suddenly have this knowing or understanding yeah you know, so I've heard a lot, a lot from our audience, and and not everybody, obviously, because we're all at different stages, and and none of them are good or bad or, or indifferent. But but there's a lot of people who uh, have heard this idea of uh, there I go again, idea. One of my one of my audience members mentioned <laughs> that I say idea, just like the other word that I said, karma. Um, this idea that. You know that everything's an experience, and, and that our our whole self, our soul, is just excited about all these experiences. And they get that, and they said that they found some peace and 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 um, comfort in that. That they did, that they did, it, it helps them in mm -hmm. in one way. And and so not everybody's there yet, but I, I think that's what this is all about, as far as you know, telling people about these experiences. Why do you suppose it makes us feel that sense of inner peace to know the bigger perspective? I think from a human, certainly from a human mind point of view, uh, it, it would be sort of depressing and, mm. and really dispiriting to think that I was suffering with, uh, for nothing. Yeah, without purpose. D definitely. Yeah, without any kind of purpose. It's just random, you know, you just got blown up and now you're going to suffer and mm. there isn't any meaning, there's no point to it. It was just random. It's it would be very very dispiriting, very disheartening and very hard to handle. But I can I got to say that from my experience, nobody experiences that kind of suffering. Nobody. There's always a reason, and it's always a beautiful reason, from yeah. what I can, what from my experience. Yeah, the, the, the uh, again, these are human terms, but the 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 knowledge, the the experiential experiential gain that mm -hmm. we get as whole selves. First of all, it lasts for an eternity, right? Yeah, just lasts for an eternity, and I think leads us, if we have future lives or other lives. Um, to have more compassion for other people, yeah. we'll say who have had those experiences. You know, yes. um, I'm sure I'm sure that you've helped a lot of people, a lot of soldiers, for instance. You know, who have had similar experiences to yours, because so. they can relate. You know, yeah, you hope. I know, I know. I'm I'm sure of it. But um, but because they can relate to your experience, and so the same thing. Now your soul knows that experience, mm -hmm. and so to have other lifetimes. That doesn't get taken away. It's no, you there. bring that experience into anything that you do. Yeah, I love that. All right, so at this point, and there's some stuff here. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get through it. We only have a few minutes more, but I'm gonna get through it <laughs> uh, without rushing through it. But you know, you're gonna, you're gonna. In, in the book, you write, you're gonna pop back into my body, right? You're gonna pop back in. <laughs> You've healed it. You've healed it, and uh, at least to the degree that you've decided these are the injuries that I'm going to have. Um, but before you do it, you sort of go to this sort of in-between, 
you don't even have a name for this other environment, but you do call it another environment in the book. You, you sort of this in between, almost like railway station, you know, kind of a place. And when you're there, this is just before you pop into your body, you actually meet some other beings. <laughs> do you do you recall that? I do remember that. <laughs> all right good how many beans were there nine hey all right you, you know your own story um and these beings I, I was fascinated by these beings because you describe these beings even like you talked about the healing environment mm -hmm. it's almost like each environment was a little closer to the physical mm -hmm. this environment real real close to the physical and these beings you describe as sort of spirit guides. You even call them like general contractors. <laughs> explain that. Personal security guard. Personal con security guards. Expl explain. Yeah, so explain. You know, what I think that I think that it's almost like I felt like I was in between moments, or um, in between, in between, yeah, in between moments, in between time and space. Okay. Within, but within that scene of you know the blown up truck and us there and everything, and in this space, um, I was with these nine beings, and they, I, the way I perceive them matches what other people call seem to call guardian angels or um, yeah guardian spirits or um, you know whatever you want to call them. To me, I perceived them as like friends. They were my buddies who were staying on that side so they could have a really big view of things. They could maintain that that wider awareness and they're there to help me, to keep me safe, to um, help guide me into experiences that as a whole self I wanted. It's almost like my my behind the scenes prop people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's my yeah. team. I talked about how my PSD team in Iraq, if we, I was going outside the wire, they would gather intel, they would plan the route, they would um, drive, you know, they would keep me safe on the drive, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, these, this, these guardians of mine on this level felt sort of like my. PSD team to me, my personal yeah. security team. <laughs> personal security. I love that. It was a great analogy in the book and it made perfect sense to me. And and you explain that they act in support of the human in, humans' intentions, not their own. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, they're still they still are individuals having their individual experience. Mm. So um, it seemed like to me when I when I started writing my, about them, I thought, well, if they're having their individual experience, then can they, like, mess with me? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> For their own amusement? <laughs> yes. But then I was, I mean, I really got the sense that they wouldn't do that, that, the, that it's almost like a mission, you know, and their mission is entirely and fully to support me in whatever I, whatever I'm doing, you know, as a whole self focused into this personality. I got the sense that it was even even a step further, if you can call it that, but uh, not just your whole self's intentions, but like, because we have free will, if your human intentions yeah. aren't necessarily aligned with why the whole self came into this lifetime, that they would also help you with that. Is that yes. true? I, that's my sense of it, yes. How would they know? Just because they, they can read your thoughts, that sort of thing? Yeah, um, it's almost not even like, you know, people talk about telepathy or, you know, I'd, like I was downloading to the, in the blink environment, it was all through thought. But it's not even really thought because it's instantaneous. Yeah. I don't know. We don't really have a word for it. But so in, the, in the same way that you know the, way. the way you feel about something, right? your personal security team here knew how you felt about it. Yes. Doesn't need to be communicated. Is that what you're saying? It is. It it is communicated. Maybe in the way that uh, you know, physics. They're finding that one particle over here. If something happens to a particle over here, this 
this particle responds instantaneously. There's no gap of time. Yeah. That it's that kind of a thing. That's in, cool. In it makes it makes me wonder though, you know, um what if we send mixed messages to the universe, you know? We're like saying, I want to be rich, and then we have this afterthought, oh, I'll never be rich. <laughs> I want to be rich. Oh, I'll never be rich. You know, like... I've thought about that, and what what it seems to me is that whichever one has the most emotional power behind it, mm. emotion really... Uh, it gives a force to our thoughts. And so, you know, if you're infusing, oh, I wish I was rich, but then there's, there's this other, oh, I don't want to be rich, you know, and all this sort of fear and emotion packed into that, yeah. then that's going to that's gonna hold that back from, from manifesting. And, I, you know, I could be wrong. That's just my understanding of it right now. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, so then, at, at, at one point, uh, you know, what do you jump back at your body? I mean, what do you? How does that work? <laughs> I like that picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. Well, it's again, it's movement through thought. I mean, I just uh, I have the intention to go back in my body, and You're I'm there. back in my body. Okay, it's that fast. We do not have the time to do it now, but I will tell you that I think it's the last chapter. Yeah, the last chapter talks about once you are back in their body. Whew. Um, I, think we, I think we could do another whole interview on, on that alone. And I'll show it again for those who haven't seen it yet. There, there you are. You were getting an, uh, an award there, a medal or what was that? Oh, that was just a visit. Um, oh, that was a visit. Yeah. But you did you did receive an honor of some I sort. I did. I got the freedom of... <laughs> what is it called? Well, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well, well... On the back, doesn't it? I think so. <clears throat> I'm very bad at remembering medals, names of medals. But it's it's the civilian equivalent of the Purple Heart Award. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which is quite an honor. Quite an honor. Um, it's been an honor to to interview you about these things and ask these questions. Um, in all these experiences, why don't we just leave people? You know, how has this ex experience changed you as a human being? Um, now that you've had this much time, this happened what year? Uh, Two thousand seven. Okay, so how has this experience changed you in this six years? Well, uh, it certainly made my rehab a lot easier. Um, yeah. <laughs> knowing that I had chosen these injuries and, and knowing that they had meaning yeah. um, made that whole thing a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even now, I mean... Um, you know, my life isn't perfect just because I had these amazing experiences. <laughs> right. I, I my life is probably just as screwy as anybody else's is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I can't just say, well, I want, I want to be rich and I want perfect things to happen and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And they do. It still right. doesn't yeah. happen. No. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> but now I think I can apply a sense of humor to that, and I understand that even if. Even if that doesn't happen, whatever is happening has its own value and can and can be fun if I let it be fun. You have um, you've always had uh, an intuitive slash psychic ability, correct? Yeah. Did it strengthen after this experience, or was it the same? I don't really know. I would say that um, it certainly gave me more confidence in it. Yeah. And in gaining more confidence, then I started practicing using it more in very specific ways, like giving readings and things like that. And so, you know, the more I use it, the the more, even more confident or comfortable I get with it, and I think the better I get with it. But I, I couldn't really say whether this experience did that for me or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it gave you more insight, certainly, um, 
than you did you ever give readings before this experience i did but yeah i think it gave me a deeper it certainly gave me a deeper pool to yeah to draw from yeah well i will tell you just you know so i'm gonna tell the audience i had an experience uh with natalie geez like a week ago yeah um look if i'm not sure this experience is for everybody because if you're looking for evidence, if you're a skeptic and you're looking for evidence, this is not the kind of reading that I had, at least. Mm-hmm. It's not an evidence-based reading. If you are looking to find out what your soul is all about, if you want to recognize why you came here as a whole self and to recognize that sort of signature personality of yourself that carries over from lifetime to lifetime and what what you're doing here and and how it's affecting you and uh and some like mind-blowing stuff that you sort of knew subconsciously about yourself but until natalie tells you it wasn't a conscious thing and then all of a sudden she brings this thing up and you go oh that makes sense oh now i get it you know in that way it was evidential I got to tell you, one of the best readings of my lifetime. I loved this experience because, number one, it was so different. And I love how you started off. Well, put it there. I'm just going to tell the audience this because I won't go on and on about it. Uh, I had my reading, and then uh, I think it was that same night I was emailing you going, Melissa has got to get a reading now, <laughs> you know, my wife. So uh, it was that good. She, her reading, equally, same thing. And one of the things, do you always start off? talking about their name and what their name means from a energetic sort of soul place no not always no okay uh well I, you did it for me I, and melissa so cool i don't know i you know unless i write an article about it, i can't i can't explain it to the audience and but you know look if you love these interviews with her i think you'll love the getting a reading with her and and if you don't then don't get a reading <laughs> then don't get a reading with her <laughs> You know, it's that it has that depth, but it's so exciting. It made me feel good about who I am, made Melissa feel good about who she is. What better compliment can you ask to have an experience like that? But it wasn't like you telling me stuff about my life that I already knew and and just going, oh, that's really cool. She doesn't really know me, but she knew these things. It's not that. It's telling me things that I really didn't know about my life or I only knew on a subconscious level, level, bringing it to my consciousness, it resonating with me completely. And, and you know, and who knows where it'll go from there. But anyway, <laughs> enough about that. Natalie Sudman, thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. It's this always gr- a pleasure to come and talk with you. And maybe uh, in the future we could just do another interview and we'll just talk about, like, you know, fate versus free will or... Yeah. How I love the I wanted to talk about how different people experience the same thing, but it's different for each one of them. Yeah. That that would be a good interview just right that there, be, right? Yeah. That, that would start things off. So anyways, I really appreciate appreciate everything. I'm grateful to you in so many ways and I I know that our audience is gonna love this. So thanks Thank again. You. Thank you. Bye now. Bye bye.